Hey there, thanks for joining me on this episode number 34 of the Positioning to Profit podcast. My guest today, Linda Sunshine West, who is the founder of Women Action Takers Mastermind and an accountability coach. What I love about our conversation is that she has a very unique spin on conquering her fears, and she's going to be sharing that insight, as well as all of the times it took for her to finally figure out what it is that she was wanting to do in her career to reinvent herself, to move forward. So I very much admire Linda. You're really going to enjoy the show and stick with me because she has some surprises at the end. All right, here we go. Hey there, I'm Patty Dominguez. You're about to discover what it means to position your brand and your business to stand out. This show explores the stories of small business owners just like you who are bringing their message out to the world and impacting their tribe. So if you want to take your business to a category of one status, then hang with me because this podcast shares everything you need to know about how to be more prolific with your brand so that you can have more profits. All right, Linda Sunshine West, it is so good to have you on the Positioning to Profit podcast. Glad to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. And it was so fun. I I remember when we chatted on your podcast, I thought it was so much fun. We had this great conversation that went a different, a lot of different places and it was such a good connection. So (laughs) we're continuing that conversation. So you'll have to, in the show notes, you'll have to check out your podcast as well. But as I was looking through your bio, right, because every guest that comes on, they submit a little something and I'm reading through it. And you all have heard about the most interesting man in the world. Well, Linda might quite quite possibly maybe the most interesting woman because you played the bass guitar, you sing in a rock band, um, you ran away when you were five years old and you were gone for a whole week. I kind of have a similar story, but not a whole week. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. But what I thought was really interesting was... Um, as a coach that you are, you're a mentor, you're a coach. I found this book that you wrote where you faced a fear every day for an entire year and wrote a book called The Year of Fears. I love that. So will you tell us a little bit more about it? Because it's such a great, great title. Sure. Well, thank you. The The title actually was given to me by my mentor, um, Greg Reed. You know, I um, faced a fear every single day. And at the end of that year, he was like, so what are you going to do about it? And I was, what do you mean? What am I going to do about it? You got to write a book. You got to do something. You got to give people a a reason to like find out about fears in that year that you faced, you know? So I was like, that's where the name of the book came from. And I I love it. I think it's a great title for the book. Um, So what happened was in uh, 2014, I hired a life coach because I was kind of, I was 51 years old and I was going through life thinking there's got to be more to life. Like, you know, asking myself that proverbial question, why am I here? Why is this planet even here? What's my purpose while I'm here? And I really felt like I had no value on this planet because I was working in the legal field, just pushing papers back and forth. Like that's how I interpreted my job, right? So I was driving to work one day and I was like, I got to figure out like, what am I going to do with my life? I'm 51. I haven't done anything yet. So I hired a life coach and um, she really helped me to discover who I am and what my purpose is while I'm on this planet. Well, during my five months of working with her, I learned so much about who I am that I actually do have value, what my value is and how I can apply it while I'm here living my life on purpose rather than living on accident like I had the previous 51 years. After working with her, I gained a lot of confidence and it was re- I was ready now to like step out and say, what am I going to do about this? How am I going to put myself out there? So in January 
1st, 2015, I woke up that morning and I was like, I've changed a lot, but I want to keep changing because I had been done working with my life coach, but like, how can I keep changing? And I was like, I have so many fears. I think I'm going to face one for a year. So that's kind of how it started. There was no, there was no expectation or anything. I just realized I had so many fears and I wanted to break through them. So it wasn't like a New Year's resolution because, you know, I break every New Year's resolution I've ever, you know, set. So I, this was just more like a commitment to me. How am I going to change me? So every day for a year, I woke up. The first question I asked myself when I woke up was, what scares me? And I actually asked it out loud. And the first couple of days, my husband was like, okay, this is really weird, you know, because <laughs> I'd say it out loud. <laughs> but after a while, he got used to it. And I would just sit there and I would wait and wait. Sometimes it'd be five or 10 minutes before a fear popped into my head, but I would just lay in bed. And the first thing, you know, whatever popped into my head was the first scary thing was the fear that I had to face that day. That was my commitment to myself. It didn't matter what it was. So fortunately, none of those fears were extremely expensive. You know, they were all so deep rooted fears uh, around judgment. And this was something I didn't really realize until maybe about six months in, I realized that, whoa, I think most of my fears are related to how people are going to judge me. And so I started working on my own self with judgment because I had a lot of judgment towards others. And I believe now, looking back, that my judgment for others was being reflected back to me by other people. And so I just feared so much judgment. Now, I don't have any fear of judgment at all. Like that fear is completely gone. That's so genius. That's so good. And then like, what were the, I mean, you said that you had that six months in, do do you think you needed to go through that exercise to just go deeper and deeper and deeper? I feel like that exercise opened up the opportunity for you to explore deep rooted fears, right? Instead of in the surface, just like some fears that you're like, okay, check the box, right? Right. Uh, exactly. hundred percent. Because I think, I think the working with my life coach was really important for me in that she was the one that helped me to start asking myself questions. She asked me so many questions. I swear I hated her every single week. And then, you know, by the end of the week when we came and met the next week, I loved her because those questions she asked me were so hard. And I cried almost on a weekly basis for Aww. five months because wow. I had so many, so many things issues, you know, from my childhood, you're running away at five years old. You don't just run away because you want to run away. There was something going on in my family that, Mm. you know, that caused me to be like, I'm out of here at five Mm -hmm. years old. And I literally just packed up and moved. I moved to the neighbor's house, but for all intents and purposes, I was gone and I was going to be gone forever. And the only reason I was gone for a week is because my mom knew where I was and she had me come back home. But what happened was during this year of fears, one of the discoveries that I also made is that the fears that I had, most of them stemmed from that that childhood up to age five. And when, and I was really strong and brave to run away, but what happened was when my mom brought me back home after being gone for a week, I came back home with my tail between my legs, with my head tilted down below. Like I didn't want to be seen or heard. I had so much fear from my dad. My dad was very abusive and I didn't want to say anything because what if I said something and somebody got hurt? Mm. I didn't want to laugh out loud because what if I laughed out loud and somebody got hurt? I am a singer. I didn't want to sing when my dad was around because 
what if he gets mad and he flies off the handle and somebody gets hurt? So a lot of my fears were based on that, that childhood experience. And so I bring this up because I look back and I'm like, whoa, look how strong and brave I was to run away. Through this process of facing a fear every day, what I kept reminding myself is I am that five-year-old. Today, I am brave. Today, I'm strong, just like I was at five years old. And I kept reminding myself that on a daily basis until I actually believed it. And I do believe it now. Linda, you're amazing. So then what? how did this whole experience kind of springboard you into coaching then? Immediately, you went into coaching? Or how did you transition into that, into what you do now? Well, during the process, you know, I met some really incredible people along my journey. And I remember it was March of 2015. Um, that was three months, like actually like two and a half months into my journey of you know, facing a fear every day. And I met this gentleman. His name is Frank Shankwitz, and he's the creator and uh, co-founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. He was speaking at an event, and it was the very, very end of his speech. He said something. And this one thing that he said really resonated with me, and it really clicked in. He said, Everyone can be a hero because he had a tough childhood. You know, he was abandoned when he was the kid. His father wasn't anywhere around and his mother like literally just dumped him on somebody's doorstep when he was wow. about 12 or 13 years old. And if he's like, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anyone can, everyone can be a hero. And I was like, wow, I am no different than him mm-hmm. except that he and I took different paths. Mm. And that was a huge, huge revelation for me. Because it was in that moment that I realized that I can be a hero and that maybe I am a hero for some people. I don't have to be a hero for everybody. I don't have to like save the world to be a hero, but you can be a hero in somebody's life, maybe by some phrase that you said, maybe by some look that you gave them that really changed their life. You know, so I've heard stories of people um, not committing suicide because somebody actually talked to them that day. Yes, so that's right. can really be a hero in ways that we don't even know. You know, but that was the reason I mentioned that is because that was really a big turning point for me, even though I had gone through a lot of uh, personal development, you know, with my life coach and then facing a fear every day, that moment was very pivotal for me. And that was the moment that I realized that all of the education that I have, all of the learning that I have, all of the life experiences that I have, that I can actually help people. And that was when I started moving more towards mentorship myself. Like I'm a great mentor. Um, I, I like to say I'm not really a coach, but I'm more of a mentor because I'd like to mm-hmm. tell you what to do, you know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> coaches like ask you a lot of questions. I'm more like, this is what you should do, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So then from a positioning standpoint, I mean, you were w- working in an office um, in the legal field and you've had all, and you had all these experiences and whatnot. Did you wanted to like, what did you go through to kind of carve out your niche, right? Realizing that all of these things that had happened in your childhood was leading you to this divine assignment, right? Whatever you want to call it. Um, How did you focus in and create women action takers? Was it right from the get-go or did you kind of migrate into that discovery? Oh my God. I had to do a lot of diving, (laughs) deep diving and migrating as you said so at the very beginning because um because of my childhood i grew up as a people pleaser i wanted to make sure that everybody was content everybody was happy even sometimes to the, my detriment you know and because i was a people pleaser when i first uh, left my corporate job which was november of 2014 when i left that corporate job i leaped out and i was like i'm going to help everybody i'm going to save the world you know because i was i just wanted to help everybody so it took a, quite a bit of time you know a couple of years maybe 3 to 4 years 
of really honing in on who do I really serve best. And to tell you the truth, I used to be scared of women. I grew up with um, like boys were my friends. You know, I was, I played football. I played baseball. I didn't play girls softball. I played baseball, you know, like, and I played soccer and I played all these different sports and I was a tree climber. So boys were really the, the people that I was most more used to hanging out with. And so when I got into an engineering field, I worked in the engineering field and I worked in the legal field and those are predominantly male environments. So I was very comfortable around men, but most of the women that I worked with were backstabbers. So I had this affinity to women. I was like, I don't want to talk to women. I don't want to work with women, but I guess I should allow them to be around because, you know, I want to help people. Right. So what I discovered though, is I started, um, attending a, um, I, I joined like a co-working space for women. Hmm. And what I found was those entrepreneurial women were extremely supportive were extremely uplifting, really wanted to see me benefit and wanted to see me grow. And that was when I started thinking, wow, maybe I can actually work with women. And that was kind of, I was like four and a half years ago. And as I went on, I started whittling away and I finally realized that women, that is who I need to be working with because the bravery that I've gained through all the experiences I've gone through the last you know, several years, that I can easily help them break through their fears. And that's one of the things I do really well. And so I niched down to women. And I remember the first time I was like, women only, I, was, I felt really weird in my stomach, you know, because it yeah. felt kind of odd. Yeah. To, yeah, because I felt like I was being exclusionary, you know, and I'm more like, I'm into inclusion. And, but I realized, that's really who I help the best and that's who needs my support the most. Okay, we're about halfway through with this episode, but I wanted to make sure that you knew about my new positioning to profit quiz so that you can discover how to use the key pillars of positioning to give yourself the ultimate edge for your business. It's an assessment, personalized plan of action to overcome these roadblocks that are keeping you from even more profit. So head on over to positioningquiz.com. All right, let's continue with the show. So what gap do you fill for women entrepreneurs in your opinion? I would say that it really is that fear factor. Like one of my clients, Amanda, um, she's an amazing person, amazing, you know, she's a bookkeeper. She has a bookkeeping business. And um, I was like, Amanda, you're not charging enough, you know? And she's like, well, I don't want to ask for more. And so I worked with her for, you know, a couple of weeks until um, one day she doubled her, she doubled her rates in one day. Wow. And I was like, how did that feel? And she's like, that was amazing. And so the next time she went out, she tripled them. So it was just like, she had to break through that initial fear of raising her rates in order to be able to, you know, get what her, her worth is. Well, my favorite part of the story of Amanda, like that's amazing in itself, but Amanda uh, was married and with two boys and they were on government aid for seven years because of that work working with Amanda and helping her to break through the raising the rate fear, you know, a lot of us have that. Um, she was able to get off of government aid after seven years of being on it. And wow. that's just, uh, for those who have ever been on any kind of government aid, you know how hard it is to make that leap because financially you have to make a lot more money because when they cut your government aid off and you're not getting that, you know, thousand or $1,500 a month, you got to make that much more money. So right. it's a big mental shift. Yeah. 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 And then do you find that for women, the pricing issue is something that you come across quite a bit, you know, the charging oh your worth? 
Yes. It's, I would say that probably the majority of women that I've, you know, come in contact with is that probably about 80 to 90% of them are not charging their worth because of the fear of asking for it. Wow. So tell me about women action takers. Like what has worked when you were formulating this group? Because I see that you have your group on Facebook, you have a nice size number. How did you figure, like, how do you serve them in a way to keep them engaged? Because that's a big question for people to say, now that I have a group, now what do I do with them? You know, when some people are marketing, uh, right? like, how, how is that working for you? Yeah, it's a, a lot of um, hit and miss, right? I, I try mm-hmm. different things to see what works best. Um, but I do find that asking questions of them. And one thing I've really come to discover is that the, the important thing when we have a group is to realize the group is about them. It's not about us at all. And so the more... The more things I do or say or ask questions about that are asking them, you know, share with us who you're all about. Like, what are you all about? What do you sell and stuff? Because people want to come in and they want to talk about themselves. And that's really the, the, the function of the group is to provide that space for them to do so. And what's cool is that, you know, I do, I have an online program. It's a women action takers mastermind accountability program. So I offer another level. So for those who want to get more like one-on-one experience with me or, or group experience with me where they're actually being able to, you know, mastermind and get accountability. Like I'm, I'm hands on accountability. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy program, but um, Mm -hmm. there's an, an option for them to jump into the mastermind accountability program as well. And so how has the whole competitive set? So just from a positioning standpoint, what, how have you fared? And I hate to say against your competition, but do you have any competitive threats that you've recognized or, and if so, how do you offset that? I love this question. And the reason I love this question is because, you know, I talk about abundance. A lot of us in the coaching realm, you know, talk about abundance, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of people who are talking about it, but not actually living in it. Mm-hmm. And I actually tested myself on this about two weeks ago and is like, am I really living in abundance? Um, I'm starting this program where I'm having experts come in and help me out with my mastermind. And somebody asked me, um, they said, well, are you going to allow your group members to work with us individually? And first I had a little bit of like a twinge in my stomach. Like I don't want them to because I want to keep them to myself. And I immediately like, wait a minute, that is not an abundance mindset. So what I realized is that if like say, for example, you and I do the same exact thing, but you can provide more value to the client and they see that you can provide more value. I want them to work with you because I want ultimately what's best for the person who is hiring us, you know, and that to me is a true abundant mindset. I want what's best for the client because it's going to ripple around to me. Eventually it will. Like I refer people out to people all the time because I'm not the best resource for them. But I always want to make sure that they get what's best for them at that time in their life. And eventually maybe I'll be the right one for them. Right. So I don't, competition, is, it's a tough word for me because I don't really believe in competition. Mm-hmm. I believe in collaboration and cooperation and, and we can all work together. And when you get a cohesive team of people who are providing different values for your clients, then you're doing them the most service you possibly can in one place. Yeah, that's so smart. So what do you do to build a crave? So I have this thing in my positioning format where I talk about, okay, you want your ideal customers, ideal clients to crave more from you, to ask you organically, what's next, Linda? How do I engage with you further? How do you build that into your marketing and how do you create that crave factor? 
Well, that's something I'm actually in the process of doing right now. So that's a, a great question. I myself, one thing I've discovered is, first of all, um, I'm not good at everything, right? I'm not great at everything. But there are some things that I'm absolutely amazing at. But the things that I'm not great at, I hire out. And so I think that's really important piece right there is that what I realized in the last five years is that I'm not the one who creates the clickable content, the content that people are like, I got to get in there, right? I write great stories and, and I write great a great that people are engaged or they get to know me, but I'm not the one who's writing the clickable content. So I've actually just recently hired out a content writer to help me with all of that. Uh, but how are we doing that is, you know, just con constantly, um, you know, at the end or throughout the writings is to make sure that the people can see the value in it and they can connect with us because that connection piece I think is the most important because if I'm selling the same thing as somebody else, why would somebody buy it from me? Well, they're going to buy it from me because they resonate with me because they, maybe I have the same core beliefs that they have. And like for me, integrity is so important. And again, this abundance mindset falls into integrity because I want to make sure that everybody's receiving the best value that they possibly can. So I think it's just, you know, our words and our phrases and um, our way that we communicate and the connections that we make. If, if somebody ran away at age five, then they're going to connect with me, right? But if they didn't, they might not get that. Like if they had a happy childhood, they might not connect with me, but they would connect with somebody else who does. So it's really, I believe it's our connection points that pe keeps people coming back. I love that. So what are you building for women action takers this year? How are you expanding your reach? Oh my gosh, this is so exciting because um, I actually went to bed. It was about three weeks ago. I went to bed and I said, how am I going to expand women action takers? And I woke up with the answer and the answer was to, you know, build out my team leaders. So I'm building out a leadership team right now. And the leaders are, sorry for that airplane flying overhead. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> But the leaders are, you know, various women that lead in, are experts in their field of expertise. So what I'm doing is with the Women Action Takers, the Mastermind Accountability Program, I'm growing this into a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week program where at any time, any time of the day or night, you can hop on and join into a Mastermind that's going on at that time. And I had this vision because I, like a lot of people I know, am still awake at two or three in the morning sometimes, you know, trying to just plug away and get my business going. I don't know where to go, where to turn to, to have that camaraderie. And so, because you know, there's, there's like nothing out there. So I'm creating it myself and I'm super excited about it. Oh, that's so smart. That's so smart. And so how are you, how are you getting out there um, and creating awareness for that? What's working in terms of promotional activity for you? Well, the, the main thing I'm doing is I, I have my book, The Year of Fears, right? And mm -hmm. so with The Year of Fears, and, uh, so with, with The Year of Fears, there's a free download for anybody who's listening. You can just go to theyearoffears.com. And this is a way for you to get to know who I am. And maybe there's something in my book that will change your life. For example, there was this one woman, I attended this event and I didn't know her. And she was running from across the room and she was like, Linda Sunshine, Linda Sunshine. She's like running over to me. And I'm like, oh my God, who is this crazy lady? You know? And she said, I bought your book. My daughter told me I needed to buy your book. And because I many fears and I read the first 14 pages and I already broke through five fears and wow. I was like dang that's why I wrote this book like I didn't know why I wrote it I wrote it just because my mentor told me I needed to right mm. but it ended up being so much more than that so maybe there's something in my book that in the first so many pages somebody out there will be able to break through a fear you know we have 
everybody has fear. I even interviewed a gentleman that has an IQ of 197. And I asked him, do you have any fears? And he said, yeah, I have fears. He said, my biggest fear is of boredom. And I was like, okay, that's a fear. You know? so, <laughs> but I was that's like, so that, that's a fear. You know, some, some very wealthy people I, I've, you know, come into contact with, you know, mega millionaires and, and billionaires and, you know, their fears are different. They're just different than ours, like fear of insignificance. Right. But if I can help somebody break through a fear, by them downloading my book, then I've done my job for the day. But then also with the book, because you asked about the mastermind, how am I getting you know people to join the mastermind? Well, because after that, then we have a sequence of emails that go out that will get you to be in, um, um, introduced to the mastermind, what it's all about, to see if it's something you're interested in, something that will help you, something that will benefit you. And if so, then you join the program. Perfect. That's awesome. All right, Linda. So we are to the last question. And the last question is when I love Oprah, so I'm just like a big Oprah fan. And I love that one question. She says, you know, what do you know for sure? So my question to you is, what do you know for sure when it comes to business, being a woman in business who wants to grow their business? Uh, what I know for sure is that authenticity, even though it's a word that's thrown around, like it's just thrown away around like pancakes, right? Um, It's, it's really important. And I also realized that I couldn't be authentic until I knew who I was. And what does that mean? I grew up as a people pleaser. If you liked it, I liked it. If you loved it, I loved it. If you hated it, I hated it. So I didn't have my own identity because I was so busy spending my time in life pleasing others, trying to fit in where everyone else was. So if I encountered somebody that loved something and as somebody else hated something at the same time, it was hard. It was very confusing for me. Who do I follow? I didn't know. So once I worked with my life coach and discovered who I am was when I was able to actually start living as me, live authentically. So I believe authenticity is the number one because if I walk into a room of, it doesn't matter if I walk into a room with one person or with 2,000 people, I'm walking in as Linda Sunshine West. This is who I am. And so it's either like me for who I am or don't. And it's okay either way. Right. And to not be attached to if they don't like you, right? The people pleasing. Yeah. Days are way, way long gone. It sounds. Oh like. Oh my gosh! Yes, thank yeah. goodness because that was tough. Those were tough yeah. times, you know. I can totally appreciate that. I went through that, and it got my. It's so funny how the universe, God, whatever you believe in, is going to always kind of give you these little taps or smack you into place. But you got to learn the lessons, you know. And when you learn yeah. the lessons, is when you can progress. So I think that's sensational. All right. Well, exactly. you're so kind and gracious to offer your amazing book to our listeners, what is the best way that somebody could take advantage of that? Just go to theyearoffears.com and download your free copy. Excellent. So theyearoffears.com and then all of Linda Sunshine West's handles, social media, how to get in touch with her, how to find out more about women action takers. If this resonates with you, she's so fantastic. We'll be in the show notes of the Positioning to Profit podcast page designated for you, Linda. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And you'll go out there and face a fear every day. (laughs) Nobody's taken me up on that challenge, by the way, yet. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about every day, but I will, I definitely, I definitely come across those kind of clash moments. I'm like, okay. And then now I'm going to be thinking of you. I'm like, what would Linda do? She would tell me to go for it, you know? So absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Thank Thank you. you. 
Thank you so much for checking out the Positioning to Profit podcast. If you haven't already done so, please make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any new episodes. And also, it would mean the world to me if you would take a quick moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast player. It really helps to get the word out about the podcast and, of course, the featured guests. And lastly, please make sure to connect with me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm on all of them. And use hashtag positioning to profit so that I can (laughs) search you out and connect that way too. All right. Thanks so much. See you next time.